the folks in Lowville, did I say that right, Lowville, said hello. Just coming back from the midwinter last week <clears throat> and had a grand time by the Pastor Scott and, and the community gathered at midwinter, the covenant, the bigger covenant family. And so it's indeed a pleasure again to be here to be able to speak to my church family. One of the things that's fascinating to me is that God seems to always make sure that I get the passage and the topic that I need to get because that's the one he's going to speak to my own life about or either he's speaking to me about. And so when I looked at the topic and I said, oh, so I've got this one on anger and kindness and all of that, it was really interesting. So uh, uh, you will be receiving what God has spoken to my own heart in this area, and I hope that he speaks to your heart. But before we get to that part, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege and the honor once again to be a conduit of your grace to be a conduit of your word, to speak to your people, to be a blessing to your people. God, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor of being able to serve your word. Bless now this time, and we pray these things in the precious and matchless name of Jesus Christ. They all said, Amen. Maybe you have heard of this disease, and maybe you have not heard of it, but there's this disease that I used in describing my own struggle in the area of emotions, particularly uh, anger type of stuff. I call it PCDS, that is Pastoral Cognitive Dissonance Syndrome. It's the nice pastor syndrome, the pastor that never gets upset, never gets angry, and puts on a pastoral face in all situations, even when he is very, very, very upset. It's the syndrome that says I have to maintain a smile even when I am seething inside because I'm above the mediocre stuff that others struggle with. Showing anger is inappropriate. I have to have that face on that's a pastoral, a little cut above everyone. But what about harboring an angry spirit? That's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. Many years ago, uh, when I first started in the ministry, uh, Karen and I had the privilege of attending, uh, we were invited to attend a pastoral retreat. I had been in the ministry all of about maybe a couple years or so, and I'd been invited to expand, uh, we were invited to go up to this husband and wife for pastor's retreat up in uh, uh, Portland, Oregon area, along the coast. And as we headed up there, we were excited because it was the first time as pastor and wife we got a chance to do something, and we're feeling pretty good about it. And so we headed up there and arrived at our hotel late that night uh, to check in. And as we were checking in, uh, Karen, my wife, uh, when we got to our room, saw that the room had not been cleaned properly. It looked okay to me, I mean, you know, but 
She looked at it and said, well, it's still not quite, it's, 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 it's dirty, then there's the smell of cigarette smoke, and she had a list of things that she saw that made the room unacceptable. Um, I was upset, I was tired, I was frustrated. All I wanted to do was just go to sleep so that we could get up the next morning and enjoy the retreat. But she insisted that we would change our room and so I went back downstairs. This is like 12 at night, 1 in the morning and by this time I'm boiling inside and so I go to the counter and both of us are standing there and I take it out on the guy behind the desk. This room is unacceptable and how dare you give us this room. I was really angry and upset with Karen, but I didn't have the nerve to be upset with her to her face. And so I took it out on the guy that was behind the desk because I could manage him. So during the whole time we were at the retreat, I was boiling inside, but I put on this pastoral face as though everything was okay. And for the rest of the time, I was upset, angry, because I didn't get my way. I often prayed to God the lyrics of that great song by Hillsong, From the Inside Out, you, your will above all else, my purpose remains. The art of losing myself in bringing you praise. Sometimes I feel like I've lost on that one. Because I wonder if I, just, I should just stop praying your will, his will be done, when ultimately it seems like it's my own will that I'm struggling with. Above all else, when my will seems to prevail, Maybe it's just me. I don't anybody else struggle with that kind of dissonant kind of stuff sometimes. Can anybody relate to that? Dennis Lynn and Matthew Lynn in their book, Healing Life's Hurts, Healing Memories Through the Five Stages of Forgiveness, had this quote I thought was very appropriate. The capital sin should not be feeling anger, but nursing unresolved anger resulting in hostility, the attitude leading to hurt another by negative humor, destructive criticism, or other unloving behavior. Feeling anger is healthy. Acting in hostility is usually unhealthy and sinful, unquote. So the issue is not so much being angry, That is a God-given emotion that that we have. We're wired. That's something God has given us. We're created in Mago Dei. That is, we're created in the image of God. And certainly the anger is part of that, that DNA. What is that issue is when there's anger that has something else that's motivating or pushing it that, that resonates within us and we put on that face that we are okay. I'm particularly troubled by one comment in the text, and I want to zero in on that text, that part of the text this morning. Bear with me as we read from the book of Ephesians. Quickly, I want to give you just a rundown on where, 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 what's going on. We're in chapter 4 of Ephesians, but recall that the first part of the book, the first three chapters in the book, 
is, is, is kind of a, a setup for where we're going. And I want you to pay very close attention to this because Paul does an incredible job at setting the stage for what needs to happen. And I believe it's the answer to this piece for us. And you'll see where I'm going with this later. Chapter one is the in him. In other words, Paul is speaking to Ephesians Christian folks. So if you are not a believer, if you're not a person that has made a commitment to Jesus Christ, uh, you're in a guilt free zone right now. Because I want to speak to people who particularly say that they have a relationship with God. We'll pick up where we'll be at later on when we talk about people that have not yet made that commitment. But this is Paul's message to us, those that are believers. And so chapter one is the in him. We have redemption through his blood, forgiveness, inheritance. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. A very key piece on this, that God has already done something in this redemptive process of us and sealed it with his Holy Spirit. We have the presence of God that resides in us. Keep that in the back of your head. Chapter two, it says we are made alive in Christ, saved by grace. We're built together into a dwelling place again by the Spirit. Chapter 3, it says we're strengthened with power through His Spirit. Rooted and grounded in love. And we have access to the one who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think or imagine. And then he makes this incredible admonition When he gets to chapter four, which is I'm going to use that to run with that because he says, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Wait a minute. God has called us. He has called us to a certain place in terms of our our our, our walk, our, our, our rhythm Uh, in, In this world. And he wants to make sure that we understand that it's something that's already in us because of the relationship with Jesus Christ. Hear the words of the apostle as we pick up the text. In chapter four of Ephesians, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Verse 26 Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit that has sealed us. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I like the way Eugene Peterson puts this first piece in the message. And, I, and this is the, I'm going to zero in on that, that particular text because that, that text uh, in the first part of chapter four 
uh, sets everything up. In, ter- in other words, the, the walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He puts it this way, chapter 1, or chapter uh, 4, verse 1. In light of all of this, here's what I want to do. While I'm locked up, here a prisoner for the master, this is Paul speaking, I want you to get out there and walk, better yet, run on the road God has called you to travel. In other words, God has given us a call already from the very beginning that we are people that are to walk and carry ourselves with a certain kind of spirit. I, I am particularly troubled. I'm disturbed by that part that says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Because when I think about it, I think about how many times has the sun gone down and I was upset, I was angry. There was no resolution whether it was my spouse or someone else that I had encountered during that day. But there was no resolution because I wanted to hold on to whatever it was that was facing me or disturbing me. How does that work if you're still carrying anger and frustration around with you? You know what bugs me? Can I tell you what bugs me? Please don't share this with anybody. You ever go to Costco and you're got your basket and you're picking up stuff and as you're going through and everything is moving online, you're getting ready to head for the cashiers, you got everything, and the person in front of you suddenly stops, drops the basket right there and goes over and starts eating. And traffic cannot come this way, you can't go that way, this person is over there feeding their face and you're standing there, with, it's an incredulous, it's like, are you kidding me? No, this isn't really happening. You did not just stop to start feeding your face. I'm in a hurry. And rather than say anything, because by this time you're kind of like, you're hoping that, okay, they're going to move any moment now, and no. So you have to figure out how to get around them and move on, and yet you, you, you carry that. 10, 15, 20 minutes later, you're walking still tight behind that encounter. Or the driver will flip you off and then cut you off. Or the spouse's mother who interferes in your life. Or the spouse who plays with his or her phone when you're supposed to be enjoying one of those moments together. I know that's no one here. Or the parent who constantly reminds you about your singleness. Or the boss who does not respect you. Or the neighbor who does not clean up after their dog. Or the co-worker who makes comparative statements about his or her alma mater and yours. If you've been married at least a few years, you know that the sun has gone down many a times and you did not resolve the issue. Is there hope for us in this kind of a struggle? I believe that God has provided the answer for us to move us from that place of understanding that these emotions, particularly anger, is a natural emotion. And there's a way to kind of use that, because I believe that there's there's two ways that we can approach this. We can have anger that is clearly sinful anger. 
And then we can have anger that is righteous anger. Somebody said, well, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus go in and tear up the church and turn over some tables and, and beat some folks? Yeah, it's kind of a loose translation. Yeah, he, he did. But what was his motivation? That's what you would speak to as a righteous indignation, a righteous kind of anger. An anger that, that, that's motivated by doing the will of the Father, by being in sync with the Father's heart, recognizing that his house would not be just a den of thieves. And recognizing that what they were doing was dishonoring his father and that it created a righteous indignation. Versus the kind of anger that has no place whatsoever because the motivation is clearly just to destroy or tear up or tear down just for the sake of doing so. But in Paul's words, we get a clue, I believe, in the first part of the text. So I want to move back up to verse 22. Put off your old self, be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Put off your old self, be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What are you saying, Pastor Ali? What I'm saying is God has already called us and sealed us with his spirit and allowed us now to be Christ-like in our attitude, in our response versus our reaction to people. He's already equipped us with everything we need. And all we need now to do is simply obey what God has given us. Anger can get you in trouble big time. And I can think of one incident in particular where someone's life changed drastically because of anger. Remember the guy Moses? Remember the incident where God tells him, to when the people were complaining, we don't have water, we don't have water. We should have stayed back there in Egypt. At least we didn't die of thirst. We, we don't. And they're complaining. And Moses goes to God and, oh, the people are complaining. Oh, God. Oh, what, what, what? And God says, oh, speak to the rock and water will flow. Speak to the rock. And what does Moses do? He pulls his staff out and goes before the people and he beats the rock, not once but twice. And because of that anger and frustration that Moses had because of those individuals, the promised land was no longer the promised land. You see, anger, misdirected anger, can cause you and I to miss out in critical places in our journey. So what? What does all this mean? How does this apply to me? How does it apply to my family relationships? How does it apply to community, this community of faith? How does it apply, period? Imagine a world, if you would, if people could figure out simply how to keep their anger in a place that's righteous anger, 
That's God-ordained anger for the right reason versus anger that's flesh, sinful anger, anger that's motivated with all kinds of other things that have nothing to do with God's righteousness. Imagine a world, how the world would be like. Imagine how families would entertain, engage each other. Husbands and wives, communities. I, 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 think, I think the key piece here, if I look at something to, that, that, that I could grab hold of and it worked for me, is to go back to James. And James, I believe, in the first chapter in the 19th and 21st speaks of being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. You see, I'm convinced that most of the time when we get in trouble with a natural emotion, a God-given motion such as anger, which God deemed to be used in an appropriate way, I think most of the time when we get in trouble with that, it's because we speak too fast. Somebody dis- does something and upsets our little parade, and we want our way right now, and we can't have our way, and so we speak too fast. We say things that we should not have said. Because the emotions are flowing, we're frustrated, we're angry, and then we carry that around with us. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And let me say this. Culturally speaking, I know within some cultures you can have a straight face. Because it's not appropriate because some kind of way you need to you need to always have a sense of maintaining harmony. And there's nothing wrong with that. We are a peace loving people, especially those that are Christ centered. But maintaining a sense of harmony with a straight face and not reacting negatively in circumstances, especially publicly, is good as long as nothing is being nothing is seething inside of us. As soon as we step across the boundary and we keep that straight face and we keep that 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 stiff kind of upper lip kind of like just. We move into that passive aggressive place where now we look like we're okay. But in reality, we're angry. And where we're angry, there's no room for God, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's kindness to come through. Question for today. How can we know when our anger is motivated by sin and when it's motivated by godliness? I want you to take that away today. How can I know when my, motive, my, my anger is motivated by sin and when it's motivated by godliness? And I believe the answer is very clear. By asking yourself if your anger, your response, anger response, is it motivated by the spirit? Is it spirit-led, spirit-directed? And is it pleasing to God? In other words, every time I get in a situation, whether I'm in Costco or I'm driving in my car or whatever the situation is, if I ask myself, is this something God would be pleased with? And is this something that's redeeming, that creates peace, creates a space for God's presence and my testimony to come through to the glory of God? If that's the case, then you're justified. If that's not the case, then it's sin. 
In Genesis, we have the record of the first murder uh, recorded in the Bible, and you know the story, in Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel. I'll just read part of the text because I think it's key here for us. But for Cain and his offering, chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, for Cain and his offering, he, that is the Lord, had no regard So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It desires its desires for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. The text says that sin is crouching at the door. In other words, at the entrance, there is sin. And I would submit to you that anger, that's inappropriate anger, that's an emotion running amok in our lives, whether secretly or publicly, is potentially a doorway for sin to enter. And when sin enters, God is not glorified. I want to leave you with that because I want you to do this. There are things that we can do, and I want you to take this as baby steps. Ask yourself, what is it that triggers my anger? Is there something else going on inside? Is it just I have to have my way because I think that some kind of way it's all about me? If that's the case, then that's sin and that needs to be confessed as sin. Because you open the door with pride and all the other stuff that comes to play. The spirit of God in us. The spirit of God in us, that same spirit that has been sealed in us, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit that allows us to respect and love one another and build up one another rather than tear down one another. And to be able to speak kind words to one another and be kind to each other whether they're standing in the line at Costco or driving the car in front of you or on side of you or on your job, in your family, his spirit in us. So I challenge you with this. Take the baby step. That's what I did. I said, okay, God, this thing is is not going to master me. But what I want to do is every time I sense I'm getting ready to go there, you know what I do? Can I, can I tell you my little, my little, this is my little thing. You can do it if it works for you. Great. If not, you know, but what I do is I say Christ in me. I just say those words, Christ in me. Christ in me. I say that to myself in my spirit when I feel it come, Christ in me. I had this neat a video clip I was going to show. I thought it was very powerful, but I, I, I didn't bring the flash drive. But how many people watched the Avengers back in 2012? The Incredible Hulk. Remember the guy? Huh? Dr. Bruce Banner. Remember that? 
And there's this one scene in there that I love, this one scene where, where they've just been battling and, 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 you know, they're all kind of tired, the whole team, and, and, and this big serpent-like thing is coming. It looks like it's made of metal. And they know that it's like, oh, here we go again. And somebody says to, I think the Captain America says to uh, Dr. Bruce Banner, I think you better get angry. And he turns around and he starts walking toward the big mechanical serpent. And he turns back to Captain America. He says, the problem is I'm always angry. And then he goes off to do battle. And I would submit to you that maybe, maybe part of the reason we can't be kind to each other and be kind to those people that get in our way is because there's anger that's always there. And we need to figure out how do we how do we how do we deal with that as a Christian? How do we deal with that as a Christian? Now, if you're not a believer, the first step that you have to consider is coming to Christ and submitting your will to Jesus Christ and saying, yes. So I give all of that over to you, God, everything. For your namesake, my salvation, and that's the first step for you. And then you can deal with anything else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you continue to do in us, through us. You alone are the eternal God. There is no God besides you. You see, you know. God, you've made me in your image, and I'm created to experience the emotion of anger. I know there are times when anger is inappropriate and times when it's appropriate, when I witness injustice to others or when your name is dishonored. Help us quickly, God, to discern when anger is mixed with sin, that we don't get caught up in having our way. Help us to give you full control of our lives. Start with me, that I may honor you in everything I do, that I may reflect the Christ in me, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name, amen.